And welcome to Sacred Space on this Christmas morning. And welcome to a lovely Christmas program, which we've just started with, O Come, O Come, All Ye Faithful. My name is Shane Ambrose, and this is Sacred Space being broadcast on West Limerick 102, which has been recorded in our Come and See studios here in Arda in County Limerick. And I'm delighted this morning to have helping me to present the programme, our maestro, our editor extraordinaire, John Keeley. Good morning, John, and Merry Christmas to you. Easy, pal. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? And I must, I'm not too bad now, John. I must offer my congratulations to you, pal. The alarm clock, <laughs> the, the alarm clock worked this morning. Well, in our house, it's very easy to get up on Christmas morning. Someone's got to help the mother put in the turkey. Uh-huh. <laughs> no excuse. So this morning, we're delighted to welcome our listeners to the program. And in a particular way, we're very conscious of our regular listeners, particularly those who are sick and housebound, who are not very mobile, particularly in this weather that we have at the moment. But we're also very conscious that we might have new listeners this morning, people who wouldn't normally hear Sacred Space. uh, And you're very welcome to this Sacred Space on this Christmas morning. Uh, Christmas Day is very much a family day, but for some people, it can be a lonely day. So this morning, what we're doing and what we'll say to you is welcome to the Sacred Space family. Uh, Sit down, pull up a chair, have a cup of tea. And for the next two hours, because we're going to be broadcasting between now and 11, is it 11 or 11.30, John? 11 o'clock, actually, this morning. Get two hours. 11 o'clock this morning. We get two hours. Uh, We're going to have some reflections, uh, some poetry, some and some lovely Christmas carols just to ease you into Christmas Day. Um, Obviously, the programme is going out this morning between 9 and 11, and it's been repeated tonight for for two hours from 10.30 to 12.30 on West Limerick 102 FM. John... In terms of the program this morning, we have some lovely reflections lined up from different guests who we have had on the program over the last 12 months. Yes, in more recent times, actually, people might remember, not so long ago, actually during Advent Day, we had Sister Margaret O'Sullivan join us. Sister Margaret agreed that she would share with us a Christmas morning prayer. And we followed that by a piece of music that's a particular favourite, actually, to, to, to the Sacred Space team here. It's Once in Royal David City, and this time it's been sung by the... King, the, the choir of the King's College in Cambridge. That's followed by, Shane, I'm sure you'd agree, it was a beautiful reflection uh, for the, the, the Bishop Brendan actually shared with us there recently, all about the icon and the family. It made a beautiful connection between the two. And then that's followed then by the London Symphony Orchestra and Chorus, and they're singing Handel's Messiah for Unto Us a Child is Born. So maybe we should start off and just listen to this prayer that Sister Margaret wants to share with us. This is just a a little poem. I guess it's a prayer from our Irish poet, Patrick Kavanagh, and it's called Christmas 1939. O divine baby in the cradle, all that is poet in me is the dream I dream of your childhood and the dream you dreamed of me. O divine baby in the cradle, All that is truth in me is my mind tuned to the cadence of a child's philosophy. O divine baby in the cradle, all that is pride in me is my mind bowed in homage upon your mother's knee. O divine baby in the cradle, all that is joy in me is that I have saved from the ruin of my soul your infancy. Once in a row. 
So I'm delighted to welcome onto our Sacred Space program this Christmas morning, um, Bishop Brendan Leahy. Good morning to you, Bishop Brendan, and a happy Christmas from all our Sacred Space listeners. Delighted to be here. Thank you indeed for joining me this morning, Bishop. And I believe you have a message or a reflection that you'd like to share with our listeners this Christmas morning. Thank you. Well, yes, recently, as you may know, uh, we've had a wonderful occasion here in the lead up to Christmas. That is, we had the World Meeting of Families icon staying here for about 10 days. And this big six-foot icon has gone around St. John's, been in Newcastle West, been Kilmallock. And it's been a wonderful occasion for us to prepare for Christmas. And I thought Christmas Day, it's right to talk about that icon because the icon has been blessed, it has been anointed, and in a certain sense the Holy Spirit also has a message for us because there at the centre of the icon, there's kind of three sides to three panels to the icon. And at the centre of it, of course, is Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family, and people all over Ireland today, all over the world, are going to the crib looking at the Holy Family. And there it is represented in the icon. Fair enough, and the icon is represented around the table, which, of course, gives us the notion of living as a family around the table, having a meal. How many families today will be having a meal around the table right throughout our country? And that table, of course, also reminds us of the Eucharist, the Mass table. And they're sitting there looking at one another, listening to one another. And I thought that reminds us of big message really that that icon wants to bring across is the message of Christmas but no matter what there we have a source of life that tells us don't be afraid no matter what situations you are in God is with you God wants to protect you and that's why we have Christmas it's God's big statement that I haven't left you on your own I haven't left the world on its own I'm coming down to be right in the middle of things and it's a promise he keeps making he makes every year, again and again and again. Of course, he makes his promise at every Mass. And here, when you look at this icon, we can see Jesus there with Mary and Joseph. And we know that their situation in life wasn't always easy. They were migrants. They were rejected. They were homeless for a while. And they had to face trouble. Even the troubles of losing a son at a certain point, Mary and Joseph had to go through that experience. And it's, I think, something... That's good for us to recognize that their family speaks to our family. Now, we might say, oh, well, my family's completely different. If you only knew my home situation, I was in a home recently and a person said to me afterwards, now you know our crazy family. I said, well, look, we can all say we live in crazy family. Let's not think any of us wins that prize. But Pope Francis is very clear. No matter what, no family drops down from heaven perfectly formed. There's always a step to be taken. So we can't expect each other to be perfect. We're all on a journey. I think it's good for us to remember that Christmas Day today. We'll all have to make a bit of an effort to be, to be family, to make family, to contribute to the family. That, you know, of course, the one big ingredient that we need today is love. And love takes many forms. Love can mean patience. It can mean kindness. Yes, it can mean also courage. It can mean speaking the truth. I mean, correcting, but also it means forgiving, starting again, helping, smiling, crying with those who are crying, putting up with adversity. If we put love in the family, we will find love. And that's what I think the Holy Family icon has been telling us here in Limerick in these past few weeks. And I hope that today cribs all over the world will tell people whenever they go there to look at them. But there's one other detail I just want to mention. 
If you look at the crib, uh, sorry, the icon of the Holy Family that has been going around the diocese, there are two side panels to the icon. And it's good to look at them. One side is the wedding feast of Cana, and the other side is the curing of Jairus' daughter by Jesus. Joys on one side, troubles, problems, and thank God a solution at the other side. Maybe we can think about, on the one hand, our own joys, and thank God for them, our own troubles, and ask God to help us. And remember, not just our own troubles, the homeless, the refugees, those looking for work, those suffering addictions, those victims of terrorism, domestic violence, home tra- human trafficking. Maybe today when we come to the crib, imagine that we're painting the icon and we've got the two panels on either side to fill in. Fill in our joys and say thanks. Fill in our troubles, hand them over to God and then go out from that to bring love into our families. That way we'd be preparing for God to come more deeply into ours. I wish everyone a wonderful Christmas.
So I'd like to welcome um, onto the programme this morning uh, and this Christmas Day, Sister Margaret O'Sullivan, who's going to share a Christmas Day reflection with us. Thanks, Sister Margaret. Um, so, John, I thought I'd just share uh, a few memories, I suppose, of Christmas um, as a child growing up in Karakiri West. Lovely. I suppose uh, my mother, as most mothers were at those times, mothers of big families, she was the busiest person all the year round, but sometimes I guess her many tasks were often unnoticed by us children. But somehow the weeks before Christmas, we were all eyes and ears as we observed her every movement. We anticipated the simple decorations for the kitchen, recycled with great care for many years. The pull-out, colourful accordion-like fans stretched across the ceiling attached to the meat hooks. Branches of holly and laurel laid along the edges of presses and windowsills. My father and my grandfather made the turn-up candle holders for the big red Christmas candles, which were held in place by a generous sprig of red berry holly. No electric fairy lights, of course, just the strong glow from these giant red candles dispelled the darkness as they shone in the window. A small crib nestled beside them and a soft glow fell on the Bethlehem scene of the infant, Mary, Joseph, cow and donkey. One shepherd had survived since last Christmas and an angel with one wing hung above the stable. At bedtime the candles were removed for safety and placed on the floor where they continued to burn through the night, holding fast to the legend that once again in our home no stranger looking for shelter may be turned away as was Mary and Joseph on that first Christmas in Bethlehem. The glowing candles signalled a welcome to the stranger. The week before Christmas, my mother cycled to the shops to buy the Christmas box. A few visits were undertaken before all that was needed to make Christmas festive was procured. The brown cardboard boxes visible to our eyes held not toys or decorations, but food and drink for the family and the visitor. Treats that had not been sampled since last Christmas were again in sight as our eyes gazed into the brown boxes. There were Christmas cakes with a shining foil holly label, jam, biscuits, Nash's red-orange lemonade, bottles of porter for visiting relatives and neighbours, sweets, custard and jelly. These were the extras for Christmas. The Christmas dinner fare was supplied from our own garden and the chicken or turkey fed especially for the table for the occasion. And then the anticipation of Christmas Eve, when we could stay up late and wrap up for the walk to Midnight Mass. The stars lit up our way in the darkness as we walked in snow and ice, playing games with our breath as cold air meeting warm air made cloud-like enchanting shapes in the crisp winter night. Of course, the stockings were hung over the fire in preparation before we went to Mass. We sang in the choir and rolled out the words and melodies of Adeste Fideles and Silent Night. Our childlike faith knew that somehow God crossed the threshold of humanity to become one of us on that first Christmas in Bethlehem. 
we connected with the babe in the manger and the family and visitors gathered round, marvelling at this. A short celebration followed when we came home from Mass. The fire would be stirred, the radio turned on as we sampled the red lemonade and Mikado biscuits. Then the remainder, the reminder that time was up and we had to be in bed before the arrival of Santi. We had few expectations for Santi, just the anticipation of hanging up our stockings over the fire, knowing that there would be some small surprise in the morning. A bow and a comb for hair, socks, an orange, a mouth organ, a tin whistle or a pencil or a pen. And how delighted we were on Christmas morning to find that something, regardless of the value or size or quantity, had been put into those stockings. Nine stockings to visit was something of a challenge. There was a seamless living of Christmas. We knew the reason for the celebrations and the mystery of Jesus' birth wove its own blanket around us as naturally as the coats and the scarves we wore to Midnight Mass. There was mystery and magic all rolled into one. Crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the baby awakes but little Lord Jesus no crying he makes I love thee Lord Jesus look down from the sky and stay by my side until morning I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. crib for a bed the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head the stars in the bright sky look down where he lay the little Lord Jesus a 
sleep on the Welcome back to Sacred Space, being broadcast this morning on West Limerick 102 on our Christmas Day special. Uh, that was a reflection from Sister Margaret O'Sullivan um, on her Christmas childhood in Corrie And the piece of music was Away in a Manger from James Kilbam. Away in a Manger, of course, John, is a great favourite at Christmas time for a lot of people. So now the next uh, reflection, uh, sharing that we have on the program is from Sister Mara Grace. Now people might remember Sister Mara Grace. She's one of the Nashville Dominican sisters that are living in the Dominican house in Limerick, obviously with the name. Their official title is the Dominicans of St. Cecilia and their mother house is in Nashville in Tennessee. And there are four sisters and they have been on the program over the last while. They're uh, uh, the great support to Sacred Space. And Sister Mara Grace gave us a nice short reflection for Christmas morning, and that's going to be followed then by the first Noel being sung by the priests. Good morning and happy Christmas. This is Sister Mara Grace with the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, based in Limerick. And we all want here at St. Saviour's want to wish you a very happy Christmas. Why is Christmas happy? I think it's beautiful in the Gospel when we see that paints the picture of the shepherds out in the fields are watching their sheep and all of a sudden there's this radiant light the angel appears to them and the first thing that the angel says is be not afraid I bring you good news of a great joy so God at Christmas he first says do not be afraid and so he says that to each of us this Christmas do not be afraid and what he brings us is joy great joy Does that mean there's no suffering? No, that suffering is part of life. And in fact, Jesus became man so that he could suffer for us and we could enter into his suffering. We could unite our suffering with his. But he promises great joy. So this Christmas, you may have different suffering. You know, it sometimes can be a lonely time for people. I invite you to unite that suffering to the Lord, the baby Jesus who became became flesh for our sake so that he could bring us great news of great joy. Wishing you a very joy-filled and happy Christmas.
So again, uh, that was uh, the first Noel uh, sung by the priests. So now we are into our next reflection, and this one, this time, is by Bishop is from Bishop Fonzie Cullinan, Bishop of Waterford. Of course, people would remember him here locally as being um, the parish priest here in Rathkeel Parish. Um, Father, Father Fonzie at that particular stage, and Bishop Fonzie has been on the programme before, of course. Uh, we're able to contact Bishop Fancy there recently and uh, he agreed to share with us his thoughts on this beautiful day, Christmas Day. And that's followed by a beautiful piece of music. Uh, Shane, I think this is one of your favourite pieces of music, is it? Well, I don't know if it would be a favourite, John, but it's uh, the, the next two pieces of music that we have uh, are by both performed by a group called the Piano Boys. And it is a US-based group. The piano player is a guy called John Schmidt. And the cello player is a guy called Stephen, Steve Sharp Nelson. And both pieces that we have, one is Angels We Have Heard on High, and the second one is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And both of them, they're very nice, gentle interpretations of uh, very popular uh, Christmas hymns and songs. And, of course, in between those two, um, those two pieces of music, uh, Father Frank Dewick also joins us on the programme. Father Frank gives us a lovely reflection this morning all about gifts. So let's sit back first of all and listen to Bishop Fonzie share with us his thoughts. To each one of you listening to this, uh, I, I want to know. I want you to know that uh, I, I, I do pray for you every day. That's my first job as a bishop. I would like to thank John and Sacred Space for this chance to say a few words to you on this great event. That is Christmas Day, when Jesus the Savior is born in Bethlehem. 
we read in the Bible, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That's in Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 9. People looking forward to the Savior coming in the future. When the Savior has come, Jesus, he brings light. He is light. There he is in the manger. He is why we celebrate Christmas. Can you imagine having a birthday party without the birthday boy or the birthday girl? On this blessed day, we celebrate the birth of Christ the Savior. And if you have a good imagination, you can picture the scene. It's dark. A light shines bright. See the stable and look inside. See the young mother, her husband, and the little infant. Christmas Day is his birthday. Christ, who looks at us, who looks at you and me, smiles. Let's look at the face of Jesus a face which melts our troubled hearts. So wherever you are now, at home or elsewhere, maybe worrying or sad or lonely or depressed, maybe you're happy and things are going well and you're with family, well, remember that he has come to this earth for you. And his birth is proof of God's love. He is God. And he is born to live among us, among us human beings with all our ups and downs, a baby is all tenderness. Jesus is tenderness itself. And in a world of such a lack of tenderness today, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he looks at you and me with love. I suppose the question is, how do we look at him? How do we respond to him? Do I allow myself to be taken up by God, to be embraced by God? Or do I prevent myself from getting close? Do I stand back? What is important is not so much to seek God as to allow God to seek us, to find us and to caress us with his tenderness. As Pope Francis says, the question put to us simply by the presence of the infant of Bethlehem is, do I allow God to love me? So do you allow God to love you, to let go of barriers, fears, to see that we are all in need, each one of us, you and me. And in looking at Jesus there in the manger, doesn't that urge us to see him in others? Do we have the courage to welcome with tenderness the difficulties and the problems of those who are near to us? Or do we prefer some impersonal solution or just to pass it off, how much the world needs tenderness today. But the patience of God and the closeness of God and the tenderness of God help us to reach out to others. The child Jesus offers us something. He offers us something extraordinary. He offers us himself because Jesus is fully human like you and me and he's fully, fully divine well, because he's human, he can understand you and me. We can, he can know our human condition. But because he is God, he can do things that no human power can do. He gives meaning to our lives. He gives a taste for simple things. He 
He lets us see beyond this world to eternal life. He also gives us the joy of service, of inner peace, and indeed a willingness to be committed and to to give our lives for something great, something lasting. Only he can soften our hearts, which are often hardened by bitterness and delusions. And one thing is very important, we cannot go it alone. He wants to be with us, to be with you and me. He will say later on, as is recorded in John's Gospel, apart from me you can do nothing. So let us go to Bethlehem, just like the shepherds, and see the face of the little one who calls to us and asks us to trust him and to allow ourselves to be loved by him. So in union with Catholic Christians all around the world, I wish you and yours a blessed Christmas. God bless you.
now I'd like to introduce Father Frank Duick, who's going to share with us a reflection for this Christmas Day. Thanks, Father Frank. You're welcome, John. And uh, you asked me to do this reflection for Christmas, and I thought about it. And the one I, I, I've, uh, the title I've given it is "Giving Gifts at Christmas." So why do we give gifts at Christmas time? Maybe sometimes because we feel it is expected of us. But I like to think that there is a, a deeper reason for that tradition of giving gifts at Christmas. Of course, today it isn't always easy to keep the connection with our traditions. The word tradition comes from the Latin word trado, which means handing down to posterity. And the deeper reason that I already mentioned is that Christmas is about God's giving to us. St. John in his Gospel tells us, and I quote, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son. At Christmas, we celebrate God's gift to us of his Son, and our gift-giving reflects that. Of course, our giving of gifts at Christmas, our giving of gifts, is selective. Most people have their short list. God's giving is not selective in that way. He gives his Son equally to all of us. Each one of us is equally graced by the gift of God's Son. And if we are sometimes neglectful in accepting that gift, God continues to offer the gift of his Son to us and Christmas reminds us and reassures us of that offer. When we give a gift at Christmas, that gift is making a statement. And the statement the gift makes is more important than the gift itself. The value of the gift is not in what it costs, but in what it expresses. For example, I love you, or thank you for being the friend you are, or I appreciate your friendship and kindness, whatever. Our gift-giving opens our heart in some way to another person. God opens his heart to us too, in the gift of his Son to us. As I quoted earlier, God loved the world so much, love is of the heart, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son. When we go to Mass this Christmas, remember the Mass celebrates Jesus' giving of himself to us. And if we wish to reflect that self-giving of Jesus to us this Christmas, then maybe we should put the real poor at the top of our shortlist.
Welcome back to Sacred Space. That was O Come O Come Emmanuel being performed by the Piano Boys there. And I think, John, you'll agree that was a, a different interpretation of what is a very popular Christmas and very more, impor- more importantly, an Advent hymn. I love it. Uh, which, which it's love. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, I love and of course, O Come O Come Emmanuel is Vini Vini Emmanuel. It's that beautiful traditional hymn that's from the O Antiphons that are prayed between the 17th and the 24th of December. And it's, 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 I, for me, I, I, I like different interpretations. It's one of my favorite hymns for the Christmas mm, time. Lovely. Or for the lovely. Advent time, I should say. Now, the next thing that we have on the program is something of a sacred space Christmas tradition. We generally have a recitation of a particular poem, which is Patrick's Kavna, A Christmas Childhood. But of course, this year we are celebrating uh, the, the 50th anniversary of the death of Patrick Kavanagh. He died in 1967. And the Monaghan poet, of course, is up there with the great classics of Irish literature, including Yeats and Joyce. Um, and sometimes, though, he can be overlooked. But anyway, what we have this morning is we have a recording of Kavanagh uh, reciting his own poem. And it is taken, actually, from uh, John Bowman's archival program on Sunday mornings on RTE Radio 1, and because John Bowman recently did a review of the RTE archives. And when I heard this, I said to John straight away, we have to have that for the program. <laughs> yeah. So sit back and listen to this, and it's a beautiful recitation of a Christmas childhood by the man that wrote the poem himself, Patrick Kavanagh. Okay. 
One side of the potato pits was white with frost. How wonderful that was, how wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw. O oh, you, Eve, were the world that tempted me to eat the knowledge that grew in clay and death the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhood's. Again, the tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, or any common sight the transfigured face of a beauty that the world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside at our gate. There were stars in the morning east and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs his melodeon called to Lennons and Callans. As I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star, and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the wafer ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone, in silver the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. Cassiopeia was over Cassidy's hanging hill. I looked, and three wind bushes rode across the horizon, the three wise kings. An old man passing said, Can't he make it talk? The melodeon. I hid in the doorway, and tightened the belt of my box-pleated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little one for cutting tobacco, and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodeon, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. And I think, John, you'd agree that was a lovely uh, recording, a very authentic recitation of what is a traditional traditional little tradition if you like i like it this day of the morning (laughs) (laughs) that was patrick kavner that was patrick kavner of course reciting his poem a christmas childhood and i think for many people it provokes and evokes a lot of memories particularly what is very much a day associated very much with families and tradition and memory and recall and of course you know on christmas morning as well we also have to remind ourselves of those that are out there that are on their own and for many people of course this is maybe could be a first christmas where there is somebody who won't sit down at the table for christmas dinner this year and i suppose we just need to think of that as you know and think of those uh around that maybe on their own maybe feeling lonesome uh in a time which is very much presented to us as gathering and family and time together so now our next piece of music john is the candlelight carol now this is a more uh, contemporary christmas carol which has been written in the last number of years and this morning we're listening to it being performed by the exmoor singers from the university of minnesota the carol is uh, very much focusing on the simplicity and the delicateness of human life and particularly on the delicateness of a newborn babe. And it's one which, you know, encourage you just to sit back and to listen to. It's a nice, gentle one. So it's one maybe to sit back, kind of to put down what you're doing for a moment and just to listen to it. Um, it's, as I said, it's, it's a beautiful carol and uh, from the Exmoor Singers from the University of Minnesota. 
And just before we listen to that, Karen, actually, we might just listen to Noreen, um, Noreen from the Passage um, Centre. Yeah. And Noreen gave us a, a, a short, but a beautiful, mm-hmm. thought, thought-provoking reflection there when she joined us there recently. So I said, mm. I sort of slip in this now, just before we listen to the Exmoor Singers. A reflection from John O'Donoghue from a BBC Radio 4 reflection for Christmas morning. Christmas awakens wonder in the heart. All belief depends on wonder. Where there is no wonder, there can be no faith. Wonder is a beautiful way of seeing. Wonder never rests on the surface of a fact or a situation. It voyages inward to discover why something is the way it is. Wonder celebrates the mystery and depth of presence that is within us and around us. It has no greed to grasp or own the heart of a thing. As Patrick Havanagh said, through a chink too wide comes in no wonder. Wonder keeps experience fresh and original. At this Christmas time, in this winter moment, the divine presence stirs in the crib of the heart, infusing our eyes with the glow of wonder. Happy Christmas.
so again, that was the Candlelight Carol by the Exmoor Singers. Good choice there, Shane. Thanks a lot now for that, for, for sharing that with us this morning. Recently, people might have also uh, listened to the programme, would have remembered, um, in the first Sunday in Advent, actually, we had Father John Muckler uh, join the programme, and Father John shared us um, a lovely reflection there on the Immaculate Conception. But while he was there, couldn't help but just ask him to share with us um, maybe his thoughts around Christmas. So, Father John is actually sharing this lovely thought with us, and then after John, after Father John's reflection, um, there was another priest actually that I met there recently, actually in um, in Medjugorje. Uh, Father Christian, he is a um, he's a Greek Catholic. I met him in Medjugorje, and uh, more recently he was able to take time to come over to Knock um, for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. He was there for actually three or four days, and I met him up there. And of course, while he was up there, Shane, I couldn't resist but put out my recorder and ask mm-hmm. Father Christian, would he give, would he give me his thoughts um, mm. on Christmas Day? Now, his English isn't bad, but I think if people just take mm. the time and maybe listen to Father, Father Christian again of some thoughts. And after listening mm. to Father John and Father Christian, then we come in with, I know this is one of your favourites anyway, Shane, it's a lovely piece of uh, music by the Celtic Tenors, and this one is entitled We Three Kings. But mm. let's first of all start off and, and uh, listen to Father John Muckler. Today is Christmas Day, the day that the light of God came into the world. In other words, the light of Christ coming into our lives to fill us with every heavenly grace, blessing and peace. That is, heavenly peace for ourselves, for our families, for all our loved ones. God has made it as easy as possible for us to not just accept this peace, but to extend our arms to welcome it in the greatest way. And that is why he came to us as a baby. The way we welcome him on this Christmas morning is we go to Mass. And the Christmas Mass is a very, very special celebration. Here we join the angels and the saints who sing in joyful praise that the Saviour has been born. We join with them and we welcome God into our lives so that this season will be filled with all of the graces and blessings that we need and that we desire and that we hope will fill the lives of all those near and dear to us so that it will be a most memorable season. The only person who can make it this for us is Jesus Christ, the new Saviour born into the world. In the time of Christmas, Jesus wanted to take a place but not an um, earthly place. He need a, a special place. Need my heart, because uh, this is uncreated to the to the man. And Jesus want to take place in the heart. When uh, and uh, when he take place in the heart, the these people become an entire universe. Uh, prepared to unending love as this love born in a earthly people and Mary was prepared to Holy Trinity 
to receive the God in his home. And, and the Holy Spirit made this. And for us, this work uh, can be can be done because when I put in the knees in the church, yeah. in the front of the Holy Sacrament, okay. the Holy Spirit bring the Jesus in my heart. And now I can bring the Jesus to this world from my heart. And when I bring to the world another, not entire world, okay. but another heart become conquest, become uh, a space, because become a house of God, on a house of love. This this is a most important message on the Christmas. Jesus want a place, want a place, uh, and the best place is the heart. Oh, oh, oh. 
So welcome back. Um, that was two reflections that we had there, one from our own local Father John Mockler, who of course is the curate here in the Castle West, and the second one is from Father Christian. And the piece of music was the Celtic tenors singing We Three Kings. Now, <laughs> John, I'm kind of getting the con- I'm coming to the conclusion. It's kind of dangerous to sit down beside you if you've got the recorder in your hand. <laughs> Very much so, Shane. Very much so. And it's always um, hidden away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, what John mentioned at the top, uh, just when he was introducing Father Christian there, he was saying he's great Catholic. Now, that doesn't actually mean he's from Greece, John. He's actually Romanian, wasn't he's he? He's Romanian, yes. But, but, but they are in communion with, uh, with the Catholic Church. Yes. And yeah, you have to Greek consider that Greek. Yeah, what Greek Catholic means in that context is he's in communion with Rome, mm. but they use a particular type of liturgy, which is the Byzantine or the Greek liturgy, yes. which is the liturgy of the Orthodox churches. So an interesting, an interesting, uh, an interesting combination in in many respects. Now, speaking of interesting combinations, we the interest the next piece that we have is from Father Luke McNamara. Now, Father Luke was on the program at the beginning of Advent, and he is a monk at Glenstall Abbey. And he was giving us a reflection on Advent. And, of course, while he was on the program, we canobbled him and said, listen, Father, would you say a few words about uh, Christmas as well? <laughs> so he was very good and very very generous to give us uh, a, a, a nice reflection on Christmas Day. And then the piece of music that's following Father Luke is the Coventry Carol. And this has been sung by the choir of King's College in Cambridge. Now, the Coventry Carol is as... Middle Age and Middle Ages uh, English traditional Christmas carol, obviously based on the city of Coventry, obviously enough, mm-hmm. and it's it's a very traditional piece actually for Christmas and particularly for counting out the twelve days of Christmas. So it's it's uh, so we have Father Luke's reflection on Christmas Day and then followed that by the Coventry Carol. So it's uh, it's nice for us to welcome back again Father Luke McNamara from the Glenstall community. Uh, Father Luke joined us there, actually people might remember, on Feast of Christ the King, and it gave us a beautiful reflection there on the readings for, for Advent. Um, but Father Luke has very kindly agreed to give us a little reflection here this morning for Christmas Day. You're welcome, Father Luke, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, um, John. I just would like to um, mention um, the presence of uh, unexpected animals at the crib and why they're there. So in 1223, St. Francis asked a friend of his, Master John of Greccio, just two weeks before Christmas to prepare a living nativity scene in a cave. And this first celebration of Christmas with a living crib became instantly popular and quickly quickly disseminated throughout the world. And it was a favourite means of instructing the faithful at a time when few could read the Bible. It is striking, however, that the first crib included not only characters mentioned in the Gospel accounts of Matthew and Luke, but also animals, an ox and donkey. And the presence of animals is not simply an expression of St. Francis's love for animals. The animals were already traditionally part of the Christmas story, even though there is no mention of them in either gospel. And this tradition stems from the wider biblical story and specifically the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. This pair, the ox and donkey, with their manger, appear at the beginning of his prophecy. The ox knows its master and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know 
my people do not understand. Isaiah is speaking about the future coming of the Lord to save his people, about how the Lord will visit his people. He laments the fact that the people do not take heed and reject the offer of life. However, the ox and donkey recognize the visit of their owner and maker. The tradition of their presence in the crib signifies their recognition of the Saviour's arrival. While for some the ox and donkey might seem apocryphal and disrespectful of the expected dignity of the Saviour's birth, on the contrary, their presence confirms Jesus' identity as Saviour. They are, in a sense, the first witnesses to the coming of the Saviour that we can see. And it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing for us to reflect upon. Um, later in the Gospel story of Luke, we will have two healing accounts, one of a woman bent double for 18 years in the synagogue and then a man with dropsy just afterwards. And in each case, Jesus speaks about an ox and a donkey. And if they had fallen into a hole or into a pit, would you not take them out on the day of a Sabbath? And how much more should I heal this son of Abraham, this daughter of Abraham? And so the ox and the donkey are a sign of salvation, that the salvation that not only of the coming of the Saviour, but of our salvation, our healing, our race being raised up. And so when you look at the crib this Christmas, and when you look at the ox and the donkey, think of them as the first witnesses to the coming of our Saviour, but also as the signs of your salvation, of your being raised up from the pit, raised up from the depths of the well, or for you, if you are a man or a woman, because Jesus uses this, this, this pair, this ox and donkey, for the healing of a man for a woman, and in, 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 in a sense, reflecting the totality of humanity. So we are, this, this coming of Christ is for all of us, for every one of us. So I wish you all a very happy Christmas, and maybe to remember when you say your prayers before the crib this Christmas, to reflect upon the meaning and significance of the presence of the ox and the donkey. Thank you.
So now um, it's a pleasure for me, actually, to introduce the next particular person. This is a person I've known for a good many years, a good friend of ours in, in the locality. Shane knows her very well. She attends Lecture Divina quite often. Mary Keaton. I know her very well, John, because I blame her for putting me on sacred space in the first place. Well, you got your own back because <laughs> after years I've been trying to get her on and eventually got her on. And Mary, uh, Mary, Mary um, just had to come on because she wanted to actually emphasize the fact, uh, you know, what this is all about is about a newborn baby. Um, and of course, Mary is pro-life, very much pro-life. And so we introduce a little bit of that into her reflection. And and just to, just, just to give thanks for whatever the Lord puts in front of us. It, it, it was such a nice reflection. I, I really enjoyed it. And then she actually introduced herself then, um, that beautiful hymn uh, sung by Johnny Mattis this time, When a Child Was Born. So again, I'd, li- I'd ask you to just sit back, take your time and listen to this uh, reflection by Mary. It's about seven minutes, but a beautiful piece of music, a beautiful re- reflection. Let's hear this. So now it's a pleasure for me to welcome into the Cummins DC studio here in Ada, Mary Keating, a, a good friend of mine who... who um, Joins us at Lecture Divina each Monday night by Father Frank Dewey in Newcastle West. I asked Mary a few weeks ago to pose us and give us a reflection for Christmas Day. She's very kindly decided to do that. And so welcome into the studio. Come and see the studio, Mary Keaton. How are you? I'm good, John. Now, Christmas Day reflection. Let's see what you've got for us today. Okay, I'll start by saying thank you, John, and your team on Sacred Space for inviting me to give a reflection for your Christmas Day programme 2017. As you know, John, you have offered me this invitation in the past, but didn't get a reply. But for two particular reasons, I felt moved to say yes this Christmas, and I am very glad to do so, even if very nervous in the doing of it. The reasons are the upcoming World Meeting of Families in August 2018 and the ongoing debate and discussion on the Eighth Amendment. Uh, Both of these topics have very obvious links with children. And Christmas is all about a child, the baby Jesus, and his family, Mary and Joseph. Reflecting on the birth of Jesus, we come to realise that he was not born into an ideal family situation, if we look through the eyes of the world. Mary's pregnancy could be called a crisis pregnancy. She was very young, unmarried, and with no obvious means of supporting a baby. Joseph was confused, anxious embarrassed and frightened. Yet, they both said yes to life and the baby Jesus was born. The circumstances of his birth were very difficult. He was born into homelessness, a topic that we are very familiar with in 2017, with only the surroundings of a stable for shelter and privacy. When only a few days old, his family had to flee as refugees to Egypt. Again, another topic we are only too familiar with in the world of 2017, to escape the worldly-style power of a jealous King Herod. But, in spite of all the challenges to his birth, Jesus was born, and his birth has had the biggest influence of any person ever born on the world. As the hymn says, man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Jesus' influence is beyond compare, But every baby born has a unique contribution to make to the world according to God's plan for him or her. And the world is less than complete in God's eyes 
if any life is prevented from making its God-given contribution. The beautiful words of Pope Benedict remind us of this. We are not some casual and meaningless product of evolution. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed, loved and necessary. As I used to put it more simply to my young school pupils, there are no subs on God's team. We're all on the field. In reflecting on these thoughts in preparation for this uh, Christmas uh, reflection contribution, my mind wandered back over all the children I have been privileged to teach during my teaching career. And I see the truth of that statement. Each child made his or her own unique contribution to the beauty of class and school life. I remember in particular some very special moments of insight into the unique gift that each child is. The first one was when on yard duty supervision one day I had reason to stop and see a child born in a more difficult circumstances for his single mother. And wow, it hit me how much poorer our school world would have been if his mom had not said her yes to life. That moment has stayed with me since then. Another moment was in most re- more recent years in my work in special education, when I was awestruck again by the gift of a child with special needs, his ability to see everything with wonder and awe every day. His comment when he visits my classroom is, Lovely room you've got here, Mrs Keating, even though he sees it every day. Such an antidote to boredom and taking the beauty of life for granted. I also thought about the wonderful young people I met while in Lourdes at Easter time on a number of occasions. These young people had physical and mental limitations and were with the Irish Handicapped Children's Pilgrimage Trust. It was inspiring to see the love and care they drew from their families and carers and the joy with which they celebrated life. These occasions offered reflections of God's love in action to those of us privileged enough to be present to see it. I also remember one of the most emotional and uplifting days of my life when I attended a day at the Special Olympics in Dublin in June 2003. I saw such sportsmanship and unselfish love in action both on and off the competing arena. I remember in particular a team of young adults with Down syndrome competing in a basketball match and what a contribution they were making to God's world and according to his ways. They certainly had no abnormalities or limitations if looking through God's eyes. On a very personal level, I think about a little baby girl born into our family circle through the yes to life of her very young parents and how, in a God-given way, she has brought healing and hope into sadness and loss. Pope Francis has spoken about the need to create a culture of life. On reflecting on what this might mean for us in everyday life, I have a few thoughts to offer. You are pro-life when you make a contribution or volunteer with a group like the Butterfly Club, the Jack and Jill Foundation, the Laura Lynn Foundation, the Bumbleans, or any other such voluntary group which helps parents of children with special needs. You are pro-life if you are happy to hear 
that your child's school or class welcomes children with special needs. You are pro-life if you understand the difficulties that a parent might be having with a child with behaviour problems and you don't judge. You are pro-life if you welcome children born into irregular family situations into the sacramental life of the church. Of course, you are first and foremost pro-life if you accept new life into your own family circle, even if the timing and circumstances are not right. You are pro-life if you foster or adopt a child. And you are pro-life when you respect and care for the frail, the sick and the elderly. Now, John, I'm about to conclude, but as I do so, these are my thoughts this Christmas morning as we gaze in wonder at the baby Jesus in the crib in our churches and homes. May we always hold sacred the life of all babies and like Mary and Joseph and so, so many wonderful parents since time began, accept the gift of life from the giver of life and trust that with him all will be well. I will finish my reflection now, John, by asking you to play When a Child Was Born by Johnny Mathis because I think it's a Christmas hymn which captures beautifully the universal joy that the birth of a baby brings and the God-given potential of each child. I'd like to finish by wishing you, John, your team at Sacred Space and all our listeners, wherever they are around Limerick County this morning, a happy, holy and life-giving Christmas. Mary, thank you. Mary, thank you so much. That was beautiful. And a happy Christmas from us all. Thank you, John.
And all of this happens because the world is waiting, waiting for one child, black, white, yellow. No one knows, but a child that will grow up and turn tears to laughter, hate to love, war to peace, and everyone to everyone's neighbor. Misery and suffering will be words to be forgotten forever. It's all a dream and illusion now. It must come true sometime soon, somehow. All across the land, dawns a brand new moon. This comes to pass when a child is born. So again, that was a beautiful piece of music by a song by Johnny Mattis, um, chosen by Mary Keaton, When a Child Was Born. And today, it is nice again on this Christmas Day to welcome onto our programme, our Christmas Day programme, a Christmas Day special, to give us a reflection, Geraldine Creighton. What would you like to share with us this morning, Joe? Uh, good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Well, for me, Christmas is a, a beautiful time, but often busy. The day itself is full of action and meeting people. And I suppose it's it's really great to take some time just to stop. And I, I really recommend you you sit down at the crib and just focus on, on Jesus, Mary and Joseph there. And uh, for me, what I do is I, I, I think, I look at them, I, I listen, I wait and um, put myself in a space to to welcome the Lord into my heart in a new way. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. It's his birthday, but he's also with us in every moment and every time. So I invite you in this song we're going to hear. It's called Jesus. Uh, We want to adore you, Lord. Just listen to who he is and who he is for us right now, right today in this moment. And may you have a really deep, deeply happy, peaceful uh, content Christmas and 2018. Thank you so much, Joe. Happy Christmas to you. You too. God bless. God bless.
After listening to that beautiful piece of music there that um, Geraldine Creighton uh, asked us to play from uh, the Emmanuel community, Jesus, we adore you, sitting at the crib. Appropriate time for us to, as usual, read and reflect on the Word of God, the Gospel for today. And before that, there's always a prayer we pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and Shane's going to pray that for us this morning. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. May we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the Nativity of the Lord, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. Now at this time, Caesar Augustus issued a decree for a census of the whole world to be taken. This census, the first, took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everybody went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph set out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and travelled up to Judea, to the town of David called Bethlehem, since he was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to have her child. And she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the countryside close by, there were shepherds who lived in the fields and took it in turns to watch their flocks during the night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said, Do not be afraid, I bring you great news, a joy to be shared by the whole people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you, he is Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel there there was a great throng of heavenly hosts praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and peace to men who enjoy his favour. So that's the gospel for today, the Nativity of the Lord, a beautiful feast, and a beautiful gospel. 
So Shane, um, just before that beautiful piece of music, A Holy Night, uh, we read the Gospel for today, The Nativity of the Lord, from Luke. Would you like to share any thoughts with us, Shane? Thanks, John. Um, Luke's account of the Nativity um, is one of the, is the principal account of the Nativity that we have uh, in the four Gospels. Um, John doesn't John doesn't discuss it in his Gospel at all, and in the Gospel of Matthew, it's more concerned with the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, Mark begins his account of Jesus's ministry with the apparition with the appearance of John the Baptist. So it is on Luke's reliance and account that we have the story, this beautiful story of the nativity that's presented to us each Christmas. And of course, the problem is, as we've said many times on the program, is where you have something that you're so familiar with, sometimes it can be difficult to to, to see it new, to see it afresh. And that's always the challenge when we reflect on a familiar gospel. But of course, this particular account is an account of something very simple in many respects. It's about a family who had to up sticks and move. And in the process, uh, there was a young woman who was pregnant and she came to have her child, the time for her child to be delivered. A very human, a very uh, modern story, you could say, in many respects in our world today. You know, if you look across the uh, recently, we've had a number of stories of births of children on the Navy ships that Irish Navy ships that are serving in the Mediterranean responding to the migrant crisis. And, you know, it's a very common story for many people, and it's a very simple story, but it also has some very profound messages for us. Um, If you like, I suppose, we sometimes get caught up in terms of, well, 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 what is Christmas? And I suppose the question is, you know, well, the only Christmas that is there is the one where there's Christmas in our hearts, where we are open to that simple story of the birth of a child. And, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, if you think about it, how different things might have been if that birth had not happened, you know, when it did, when it did, how it did. You know, for, for, for millions of people who have lived since, you know, the birth of Jesus um, brought them to a new way of living, a new way of understanding. Um, they found themselves profoundly changed by it. And I think that's one of the questions we have to ask ourselves when we listen to a familiar gospel like this. Does it actually impact us? Or it's just because we're so familiar with it, it's just, Asher, that's part of it. Asher, you know, that's grand. You know, it's, 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 if you think about what has actually happened, you know, um, Christmas is based a lot traditionally on the exchange of gifts. And in this particular gospel, we hear of the gift of God to man, you know, the, the unspeakable gift of his son. Um, and that's, that's one of the things we need to think about. Um, looking back at a reflection that Pope Benedict XVI gave in 2012, he said, you know, again and again, it astonishes us that God makes himself a child so that we may love him, so that we may dare to love him. And as a child, trustingly, lets himself be taken into our arms. It is as if God were saying, I know that my glory frightens you and that you are trying to assert yourself in the face of my grandeur. So now I'm coming to you as a child so that you can accept me and love me.
And, you know, it's, it's that whole surrender that I suppose is so challenging. And if you think about it, we often reflect and focus on the fact that Jesus surrendered himself at Calvary and gave himself up and, uh, uh, you know, for us. But the first step of that was actually being born for us, being born into our everyday existence. You know, he was born poor, he lived poor, he chose freely to have no privileges. You know, he lived a life experiencing fatigue and pain and cold and hunger and thirst and fear, persecution, flight. You know, he lived as a refugee. They were homeless for a time. Um, he experienced grief because he would have seen the death of St. Joseph, as well as, you know, what the accounts we have in the gospel of, you know, the death of Lazarus. You know, he, but he wanted to be truly one of us, you know, a son of man, one of humanity, sharing in our sufferings and our hopes, happy to be with us, if you think, if you like, accepting um, the travails and the difficulties of the world that we live in as human beings. Um, you know, and it's an interesting one if you think about it in, in the world that we live in. You know, he was born for the poor. He was born for the oppressed. He was born for the suffering. He was born for the simple and ordinary people who have not lost hope in God. You know, he came for each one of us who are sinners. And it's just something I think that we need to we need to think about a bit more. Because when you look at the gospel, we talk about simple things. You know, a Caesar was a Caesar decreed that there would be a, a census. You know, Augustus was the epitome of the Pax Romana, the great peace of the Roman Empire. But that was a peace enforced by brute force and force of arms. You know, and the, the, the taking of a census is the domination of a people. Uh, but and against that, we have the birth of a simple child uh, to, to, to two simple people, Joseph and Mary. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, she was, they were there and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, there was no room for, for God in that world as, as it happened because he wasn't recognized for who he was. You know, and I suppose the question is for us in our, in our lives today, do we have rooms for him? You know, um, you know, we want what we can seize, grab and get hold of. That's within our reach. We want our plans and our, our purposes to succeed. Um, but sometimes we can be so full of ourselves that there's no room left for God. And that means then, obviously, there's no room left for others either, for the poor, for the stranger, for children. Um, and that's a challenge that we need to look at for us this Christmas morning. Because if you look at it, God appeared to the shepherds on the hillside. And the shepherds in Israel of the time would have been not quite outcasts, but they would have been on the margins of society. They would have been on the periphery. And they would have been slightly outside the circle of, of the village, if you like, because they would not have been able to adhere to the dietary laws to a certain extent, to the cleanliness laws. And it was, But it was to them first that the angels appeared to bring the great news. Do not be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all of the people. You know, and that a savior has been born to us. And, you know, it's it's just it is just so it's so if you think about it, it's just something we really need to think about and reflect on. You know, in one sense, um, it's almost like casting aside the darkness of the world 
And it's so much a message of hope for us because in the world that we look around us today, you know, there's a lot to be said in terms of possible despair and reasons for worry. Um, there's a lot of conflict. Um, there's a lot of suffering in terms of, you know, and sometimes it can be very easy to just kind of close the doors, retreat behind our own walls and forget about everybody else. But the thing about it is Christmas is a challenge to us that we must look outward. You know, it's not something that we can keep to ourselves because to be Christian, to celebrate Christmas is to share that message, you know, to share again and again that wonderful exchange between God and man. And the reminder to us always that on this Christmas morning, we should be able to sing out our hearts Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. You know, and it is that that we have to remember. That I, I, there, there was a reflection I came across with the former Latin patriarch of Jerusalem. And he said, behold this infant's dream that all human beings become brothers and sisters because they all have one God and Lord who shows compassion to all and who watches over all. And, you know, and we said at the top of the program, John, you know, this was a sacred space this morning. And, you know, we invited people in to share this sacred time and to remind each other and to remind ourselves that, yes, Christmas can is a period of celebration. But for those that find it tough, maybe because they're on their own, because family are not around or because there has been a debt during the year, it's a reminder you're not alone this Christmas morning. And the message of Christmas means just as much for you as it does for everyone else that's celebrating or seems to be celebrating. Christmas is for all of us a celebration of a simple event, the birth of a child who came to save the world. Shane, thank you so much for those beautiful thoughts and words and encouraging words. And the only thing I can add to that is maybe something similar to what Shane just said there. And the Geraldine reminded us this morning. No matter where we are, whether we're in, in our own little room or we're in a big church somewhere, maybe later on today, it might be no bad idea maybe just to sit by the crib just for a little while and just remember those, those words of the angel. Do not be afraid. Listen. I bring you great news and news to be shared by all the people that there is a sign for you. A baby will be born. And the throng of heavenly hosts will be praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and peace to men who enjoy his favour. Today, we are also part of God's favour. Let's enjoy this day and say thank you, Lord, for coming to be with us at Christmas. So, Shane, that about brings us to the end of our Christmas programme. The two hours flew. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much indeed for sharing it with us. And, of course, we want to thank those people who also shared the, this two hours with us today. To bring to, to enjoy with us the wonderful news that today Jesus is born. So about time for us to go. Time for you to go and check the turkey, Shane, and myself <laughs> maybe to prepare some of the jobs that I've been allocated to do today. But in the meantime, for everybody, we'll go out with as uh, with a piece of music that we always go out with, and this one is entitled "Joy to the World." So until next week, God bless you all. Now enjoy the Christmas day. Enjoy the family. Have a great time. Bye.
So as we finish this program this morning, we would invite listeners to tune into television or radio to listen to the Pope as he gives us his blessing for this Christmas. Sacred Space 